What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbrook, joined, as always, by my good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, it's going pretty good, Riley. I just finished doing a green tea herbal face mask Wow. my wife. Do you feel like your pores have been uh, cleansed? Do you feel, like, holier now? Uh, it was definitely a minty feeling going on, and there's still a little mint residue yeah. coming off. So I would say overall success. It didn't it it dried like I would say overall success, but it like some of it didn't dry, even though we left it on for as long as the packaging said. But then the packaging, you know, it wasn't made in the United States. So there are a lot of typos. Uh. a lot of uh, extra spaces before commas you love those and so you just you question the um <laughs> the integrity the validity, of the brand the integrity of the brand sure but it was a fun experience nonetheless i i haven't really done any home beauty home beautification before <laughs> so i've definitely never tried a face mask okay um i actually do i do have one uh, my friend went to japan and got a jigglypuff face mask and brought it back for me <laughs> Um, but I, I just kind of keep it for a display. Okay. Because <laughs> it's so funny. Okay. Uh, well, maybe one episode in the future we can just do dual face masks. Yeah, like a beautification episode. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that really is on brand, not going to lie. Okay, well, it could be a completely off-brand episode. We do things that Fair. we don't normally do. Like, maybe we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! metagame that day. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. I'd have to probably do a significant amount of research heading in. <laughs> <laughs> but how's how's your day going, Riley? It's going well. Uh, certainly, a lot going on. I'm very busy lately. My friend, um, who lives in the apartment uh, across the way from mine, got a uh, like when I say across the way, I mean like across the courtyard. Um, okay. She just got two little baby kittens, and they're so cute. And so I've been hanging out and playing with them. Um, not to ignore my own cats, because I am playing a lot with them as well. Um, and they get quite jealous. Like, I'll walk back home after. With the scent. Yeah, and Mello yeah. will walk up to me, and she's just like, Mm-mm-mm. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not cool. So, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's been really fun. Definitely angered your cats. I feel like an angry cat is not something I would want. The Just the urine and the... Yeah, Mello scratching. My cats don't really do anything too crazy. Uh, Mello's more of like a passive aggression. Like, if she's mad at me and I'm on my computer, she'll. I have a. I have my first monitor is like right in front of me, and my second one is off to the right and a little bit behind mm-hmm. my first monitor. So mm-hmm. what Mello will do is she'll get behind the first monitor and stick her like entire body in front of the second monitor. So I can't see it. <laughs> gotcha. And she knows I don't like that. <laughs> That's pretty unusual. Yeah. I should do it all the time when I'm like on phone calls at work. Because okay. I'll, I'll put like the screen share on my second monitor. Um, for A, because it's bigger. Uh, but B, because then if I get like a, a chat notification, like someone Teams messaged me over Microsoft Teams... It won't yeah. appear on the second monitor. It'll appear on the first monitor. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but so I, I always share that monitor, and whenever I'm on the phone, Mello doesn't like that because I'm not paying attention to her, but I'm still talking to people. Um, 
And so she'll always like get in front of the screen <laughs> to move her. Cats are jealous, man. Yeah, they do get jealous. But all, all fun, though. All fun. I do love my kitties. And I, I like the, the new kittens a lot, too. Anything That's else great. exciting going on in your life, JW? Man, I can't say that there is. Uh, just been doing uh i i don't know if i've told you this but the last time we talked i was thinking about getting into real estate but now the uh the move is coding so i think coding. we maybe did talk about that a little bit in an among us game but uh yeah i'm i'm working towards uh you know maybe doing a boot camp and and kind of getting up to speed right now on what it would look like to be in one. So I've been doing a bunch of coding modules and things online. And uh, that's been pretty stimulating. I, I don't know that I necessarily call it fun because it's been kind of things that are a little um, maybe uninteresting. You know, you're just kind of going through the motions and learning a lot of the building blocks of code. Sure. But um, it certainly is stimulating. And it's uh, uh, it's things that I, you know, kind of the, a repetitive process that, the language of, of coding is is interesting in a sense to me that it can be so many different things. So, oh, yeah, for, I mean, that's... for sure, I, I obviously like coding. I do it at my job. Yeah, <laughs> so. there you go. So it's pretty cool. Do you what uh, what program do you use? Um, we you mean like language? Or language, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we code in what's called M. Um, it's a it's basically only used for medical record software. Yeah. Um, but I I know. And like five languages right now. Okay. Um, I took a lot of different classes in college as part of gotcha. my major. So. Gotcha. Yeah. As far as I understand, like the the languages aren't the end all be all. Yeah. Once you know, you, like they're pretty they're pretty fluid. In once the sense you, uh, that if you understand yeah, the core exactly. principles, then you're gonna be able to maneuver around anything. Yeah, because a lot of it is more about like. Um, I, I hate to say like programmatically, but like it's about understanding like programmatically how these things fit together. Um, right. And once you understand like, okay, yeah, this is how I do this piece of functionality in this language, then, you know, it's all about just fitting the blocks together. The blocks sometimes look different, smell different, taste different, but you know, they're all the same fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been having a lot of fun with Java. That's what, uh, interesting. <laughs> I've been learning. Interesting. Why is that? Uh, Java is just not, I don't like Java that much, but it's fine. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I, I think uh, I've been looking at a little bit of like .NET and Java, and I, I like the syntax a little bit more in, in Java. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I suppose that everyone has their own preferences. Yeah. I mean, no, no judgment, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, but I'm judging you. I'm not, I'm not judging you, actually. I think it's, I think it's really <laughs> cool that you're pursuing something new. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I was gonna go say ahead. let's let's jump right into it though. Exactly. Um, so, we wanted to start off today with a little bit of a look into the next month or so of Pokemon. So, for yeah. the unaware, the the Players Cup was so popular they decided to make a sequel. So, <laughs> Players Cup Two is on the horizon. Are they? Did they say it was player? Is it Players Cup Two officially, or is it like Players Cup Autumn or something? No, I think it's Players Cup II. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so it's Players Cup Roman numeral 2. That's right. Yeah. So sick. <laughs> I know. It, it looks a lot more official, but for sure. Players Cup 2 uh, starting in five days on September 28th and lasting until October 26th. So just under a month's worth of Pokemon uh, that will matter, which is pretty <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And interesting. it will matter for everyone. 
it will matter for everyone. Yeah. Not just the people that have enough, ter- you know, tickets or, um, you know, things like that. It, it, everyone that has an online account that has logged in before, you know, some arbitrary date that they set between, it said like between June and, and September, they'll get those tournament keys. And so you're going to see a lot of participation as opposed to Players Cup 1, which is really gatekept by that by that uh, ticket system. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about how that system has evolved. So Players Cup 1, uh, the format was you could enter any number of the trading card game online tournaments, which the requisite to do that was the tournament tickets. Um, and those tickets unfortunately are kind of difficult to get so some players felt like they didn't have a chance a lot of players felt like it would be a, basically a ticket war and uh, I don't want to say players kept on flopped because clearly there was a lot of participation and it was a success on the whole um, but it was really difficult to get some players motivated to participate um, players Cup 2 by contrast has the new tournament key system which are allocated to you like JW said if you have participated in Pokemon trading card game online in the last three months and what those will do is every player gets X amount, uh, that amount being 50 for this player's cup. And I think it's one ticket per, or one key per tournament. And that's how you're going to qualify instead. So it gives everyone a level playing field in terms of how much one can participate in tournaments. It gives everyone a level playing field to just like you know what you're getting going in, which was right. not really the case with the first one where it was right. very ambiguous like what that ticket system would really amount to yeah right and i think a lot of people and i think even myself included to an extent kind of over analyzed the amount of work that it would take to get into the (laughs) players cup it ended up the bar ended up being a lot lower than you or i really thought but i think the principle again still kind of remains the same as like well you shouldn't really have a pay to play system in that kind of way on an online thing. If you don't give enough people like enough time to actually prepare for that, because surely there right. are some, there were some people and you look at, you know, big content creators that do a lot of, you know, tournaments or whatever it is um, that just kind of, you know, use their tournament tickets as you go. But then you have some people that just hoard them and never play <laughs> in tournaments. And obviously we're at a huge advantage, but that is all wiped away. The slate is completely clean for this player's cup too. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I'm definitely a lot more excited about it. And I had actually do have quite a bit of tickets myself. Um, but even then, I felt so demotivated because I thought it would be, like you said, we kind of overanalyzed how much people would be going for this. Um, and I thought it would just be such an astronomical amount of tickets. And I was just like, this is absurd. Like, I don't even want to be a part of that. Um, right. Whereas this one is much much more clearly defined. You can go at your own pace. You don't feel like you're... You're cramped down by the pressure to constantly do more and more like you were in the first cup. So right. I'm really excited to get into this one. So before we do anything, I we can just briefly go over how the, the game itself is looking. Um, we've kind of harped on this a bunch of times now, so I don't want to spend more than a minute on it. Um, ADP and Eternatus still standing at the top. Um, the Crushing Hammer finding its way into quite a few lists now. Pokemon Catcher finding its way into pretty much every Zacian list at this point. Um, I, I mean, we've kind of reached the point where those two are the, the monoliths of the format that stand above everything mm-hmm. else, and you're either playing them or playing specifically to beat them. Would you agree, GW? Yeah. I would 100% agree. There are some other decks that kind of fit in. You look at the things like Picaram, you look at the things like Frostmoth, Baby Blacephalon, um, Decidueye. 
There's a number of other decks that can compete as Scent of Scourge, but really when you when you look at it, probably the the bit and at least for me, like the most um, the highest winning percentages for my testing have very easily come with ADP and uh, and Eternatus. Yeah, I mean, I think they really set themselves apart in the format, and we've given our thoughts on those decks more than a handful of times, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, like I said. Um, Mm -hmm. What I'm more interested in talking about is what the approach to the Players' Cup as a whole will look like, and we were kind of musing about this before the cast. Um, JW, I don't know if you have any preliminary thoughts about what your approach to the Players' Cup will be. Like, when when are you going to use your tickets? How are you going to approach, like, deck building? What What are your thoughts heading into the specifics of this event? Yeah, well, since it is in the current format, I don't believe that we will include any Champions Path in the duration of the Players' Cup 2. We have a pretty good idea of what the metagame looks like, and so that should inform us when we bring our deck choices. And I, for me, um, I will always, going into a big tournament, if it's a one-time event, like I'll always focus on like three to five decks heading into that tournament. Obviously, this is a little bit more, you know, wide scale being 50 individual tournaments that I could change decks for every one. But uh, I think the whole uh, point remains largely the same is that I've been testing, you know, very uh, specifically like five decks and I have all those decks and kind of know the exact matchup spreads of each of those decks. And so heading into the Players Cup, I'm going to know, okay, I want to lead with this deck and I want to play a certain number of tournaments with, you know, ADP. That's that's looking to me like the just hands down the best deck in this format. Um, and then if I find that that's not working, eventually I'll switch. Now the question becomes, when would be the optimal time to switch decks? And that's something we can talk about in a second. But uh, you bring up the question, when should you start? I think that's very valid. So we have a whole month to play our 50 tournaments. And so should you begin, you know, and blow them all at the start? Should you space them out? Should you play everything in the middle? Should you play everything at the end? You know, should you enter all these tournaments right at the end? Uh, and I think probably the, the, at least what I'm going to do is is to, to gauge the general interest and general level at the beginning by maybe doing, you know, a couple of tournaments a day for probably the first week, not blow all the tickets, but just kind of to, to accrue some data on what other people are playing and how my deck kind of fits into this, this online metagame that is (laughs) largely completely different than, you know, a competitive metagame, right? You have to take that into account. It's like every single person that has a PTCGO account will get these codes. So the metagame is going to be even crazier than what it would be for like a regionals, right? <laughs> um, so taking you know taking it a little bit slowly in that first week, trying to gauge what everyone's playing and what kind of a general metagame is, and then really going into it in that in that early second week, third week, and using all the tournament tickets. That's going to be my my strategy not waiting until the end because i think there's going to be a lot of people that do end up waiting till the end and maybe get burned because they're going to have to play against um everyone else that's waiting till the end i have a i have a sneaking feeling that the beginning of the players cup or that that 
first to second week around around there, like late first week, early second week, is going to be probably the ideal time to actually like use most of your tournament keys. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you about the end being like the worst time to do it. Um, I have a feeling, I mean, just generally speaking, if you're playing at the end, you have the most on the line. And like, it's it's yeah. more of an active choice, right? Like early yeah. on, you know, you could just have a TCGO account, see that you have these keys and just play in early on just because you have them or even midway through. Uh, but if someone's like coming in towards the end, that means they know what they're trying to do and they want to get it done. So it's going to be players who are probably pretty good, but we're also too lazy to do it before, Is which to me seems like a pretty large subset. <laughs> I don't know if you agree. It's, I think you're implying that you do with, yeah, yeah. with your earlier statements. So yeah. I think the end will be kind of chaotic, kind of a mess. Um, I actually think playing pretty early on will lead to a fair amount of success. Um, I think even if a lot of good players are playing at that time, there'll be so many players that it won't really matter because the pool will be so diluted. Mm. Um, and the same applies, honestly, to those first couple weeks. Um, and I, I don't think the metagame is, like, shifting anywhere. So it's not like, you know, it's not like gaining a metagame benefit from from waiting, per se. Uh, not, that I'm, not that I'm, like, counteracting a point of yours or anything. It's just a, a point of mine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm leaning is I kind of want to just get it done with relatively soon. Um, if me personally, I probably won't actually do that in practice. I'll probably kind of burn them slowly throughout the month just because I don't really have the time to, to grind them all out at once unless I really sit down on like a Saturday and, sure. and just do it all, which to me doesn't sure. sound very fun either. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but that's what I would, if you're like really trying to grind in. I would say that the earlier on, the better. Um, yeah, I think people then, will be less invested early on. And then, do you think Riley, it would be better to, you know, sit down and dedicate, you know, one day or one evening to really grinding a lot of um, your tournaments out, or would you say that you would rather spread them out over, you know, a couple days or a week or two weeks? I mean, to me, I would, I'd rather spread them out for a couple reasons. One, just because for me, time constraint is like an issue. Um, mm -hmm. But on a larger scale, I think burnout is like real. And if you're just playing six hours straight of these TCGO tournaments and you're waiting like arbitrary amounts of time between every round, um, I mean, it would be more than six hours, I think, to blast through 50 of those. Um, mm -hmm. It'd be a lot. So mm -hmm. even if you're going through like eight hours of tournaments, and yeah, like a regional is comparable to that, but you know you're gonna get burnt out and tcgo is not the same as playing in real life and you don't have like the energy of like hanging out with your friends the whole time like you do at a regional so sure. it's it's gonna kind of get grading in my opinion and i really enjoy like playing tcg and playing tcgo but i know if i'm just sitting there like playing for a while eventually i'll stop paying as much attention i'll mm, sure and this is something that's specific to tcgo because you know, I'm on my computer. I'm doing other stuff too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, you're it's by nature. Not one track minded when you're playing PCGO. No. And so yeah. I'm probably doing other stuff. Like, I'm going to get less and less interested as my day goes on. Yeah. You know, I'll be haphazardly doing what I think is appropriate, but maybe not, isn't really like thoughtfully done. Um, 
So I, I say just spare yourself the trouble of having to worry about that even and just take it at the pace that feels appropriate to you. If I, if I could actually make a macro recommendation to everyone listening, I would say just start early on, burn a couple tickets a day. If you feel motivated, go for more. But like, don't force yourself in any pigeonhole. Just do what feels right for you and you'll right. probably get your best result. Right, right. That, that, that's good. And, and ultimately, I think too, we are saying that this Players Cup 2 likely will be more competitive given this more equal playing ground but there's still 256 open slots um to make kind of this this second phase of the tournament so it should be relatively easy if you put your best foot forward um throughout the duration of your you know 50 tickets like it it should be attainable for anyone uh that really truly wants to do it um and so don't think too hard i mean take take our <laughs> recommendations and and you know ultimately we're just speculating so it it kind of doesn't really um matter if you have you know an, another take on it then by all means you want to wait till the last second and we've been saying don't do that like by all means do that if that's what you feel is going to get you a better result i think too riley we should talk about what to do if you or how you're going to go about selecting decks because i think there yeah. are some people that might um you know play a tournament with a deck and then it it loses in the first round and then they might immediately switch decks and then they might you know uh lose them again in the first round and then they might switch decks again uh and then there might also be other people that just play one d deck for the duration of their tournament tickets they'll just play one deck for 50 tournament keys um do you have any thoughts on what makes sense in in terms of whether or not you would switch decks and what would those reasons be for you for switching decks um there's a couple reasons i could see for me if i i could even consider myself just playing a deck that i just really enjoy and i think it's semi-decent and switching it to that occasionally as opposed to just going for like meta monoliths um generally speaking i think you should avoid making snap judgments based on the results of individual tournaments. So, you know, there's always going to be a fair amount of RNG going into these. And, and RNG maybe isn't always the appropriate word, but, you know, you don't know who's going to come into these individual tournaments on a given hour. You don't know what decks they're going to be playing. You don't know if they're going to be, like, hard teching against certain decks. And so using individual or even small subsets of tournaments to inform, like, your overall performance is kind of a a downward slope i would say it's a slippery slope um if you have a deck that's consistent and you know works that's going to be the real key because there's going to be so many factors that are out of your control in these individual tournaments so you don't want to be like oh you know my adp deck that gets off turn two alter creation or turn one alter creation you know 90 percent of the time it got just completely pooped on by this uh random fairy attacker deck or something yeah you know don't get immediately discouraged by that like stay the course for a little bit make sure there's no macro meta trends like and it's especially hard if you lose in the first round because you could lose to the person who ends up like winning the tournament and they just had a really good deck and and played right. really well um and that's just your luck of the draw there's no seeding you know you just right. you get what you get Right. Um, and then I, I think particularly, too, in a best of one format where going first or second can really make or break either deck. Um, it's important to just keep that in mind, too, is like if you happen to go, you know, you're forced to go first and your your 
deck of choice is sent to scorch you know obviously that's not a good place to be in and you lose you know a few tournaments really early well if you're really committed to playing sent to scorch then again give it a little bit more time to let that uh, even out in terms of you know where you start and um, how far you get in that tournament i think for me um looking at how many tournaments it would take me uh for like bad results to influence my deck choice it would probably be about 10 like i am testing before i go to the tournaments i mean that's a big point as well like don't use the tournaments to try to figure out what to play go into the tournaments knowing what you're gonna play like being confident in a deck that you think yes you know this could win the players cup this could win a regional you know this could do well at a at a real event and then use the the tournaments as your um you know as the as the culmination of all that testing that you've done right and so uh probably about 10 or so tournaments i would give myself before i would consider switching decks and i think i don't know maybe you have some thoughts on that but i think that that's probably a good threshold like 20 percent of the uh of the tournament goes by or 20% of your tickets are gone. I think that's probably a good time to stop and reflect on how you've done either with the deck, you know, reflecting whether or not the skill level is uh, appropriate for you and whether or not, you know, you should consider switching to a deck that maybe is better against what you've been seeing. Yeah, I would say somewhere in the like five to 10 range is about right. Um, it's hard to say because if you lose round one, you miss out on a lot of insight about how the rest of the tournament looked. Yeah. Um, but let's say, I mean, let's say even you're making it to the finals of all of these tournaments. And so you've seen three rounds of all these tournaments and, you know, you're five tournaments in and you notice like consistent trends in terms of how the yeah, decks sure. are looking or built. Um, you know, you might not switch decks, but you might change like a couple of cards and be like, okay, you know, there's clearly a lot of mm-hmm. this deck so I'm going to play Wait and See Hammer or something. Yeah. Um, you know, be thoughtful at the same time, like be rigid and confident in your decisions, but also be thoughtful about what that decision is and like why it should evolve. You know, it's, right. a, it's a definitely a balancing act. You gotta, you gotta be spinning these different plates and whenever one starts to tumble, you gotta, you know, start spinning it again, you know? Right, right. Ultimate, <laughs> ultimately, I think, Riley, there's no silver bullet that we can give to any listener, um, you know, but you're always free to, you know, message me if you have questions on how your performance has been going. I mean, I'm always an open book to try to give any amount of advice that I can if you're really struggling with a certain problem or a certain deck or something like that. Uh, but ultimately, be confident in the decks that you've tested heading into the tournament. I think that's just the biggest piece of advice because I think there are a lot of players out there that I know that are going <laughs> to be discouraged. Maybe they, yeah, like losing the first round, but their deck is very capable of carrying them to the players cup but they lose in the first round of like the first two tournaments and then they're looking to immediately like switch up their whole list you know tech it out for certain things that just don't make sense or (laughs) or just change the deck entirely and i I don't think that's really the way to go i think you should trust your intuition trust your testing and uh, give each deck or at least give your first deck the fair shake that it needs to produce good results just definitely don't tech for mad party when you see online (laughs) (laughs) Riley, you're definitely going to try to qualify with Mad Party, huh? I think I could do it. (laughs) All right, that's a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) That that actually leads me into another question, though. And this is something, my last thing I want to do with the Players Cup. Yeah. Uh, 
so last player's cup people thought the point threshold would be really high it clearly wasn't um obviously there's more level set playing ground i imagine there will be like more universal participation do you have any idea what that threshold will look like do you think it will ex- i think obviously it'll be higher than before do you think it'll be significantly higher do you think it will be you know a small percent increase I mean, it's hard to say. I have to imagine that it'll be significantly higher, but um, it's, I mean, it's tough to give an estimate. I I think we'll probably see, you know, within the first week, like if we can extrapolate a little bit better. uh, Uh, I just, I even feel like the first week will be so hard. I feel like so many people will be, you know, they'll be on Monday of the last week and they're like, crap, man. I don't know, man. It, it's really tough because we haven't seen anything like this before. So, like, trying to make an informed um, opinion about this is really hard. But I think, you know, there will be probably a bell curve, right, of of participation levels. So you'll probably have a lot of people at the beginning, a lot of people at the end, and it'll probably dip slightly in terms of participation. But um, I think curve, we yeah. still should be able to extrapolate from that and from the postings on the site, kind of a, a week by week, how many points, like, you should be at to qualify in those top 256. Yeah, it's, I definitely think it'll be messy as you get like towards the bottom of that. Um, right. It'll be close, I think. Um, <laughs> and the reason I ask is because what I, what we found in the first Players' Cup was people who honestly probably might not have even been trying to make it ended up making it because so many people had like given up so early. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious if you think a similar thing will happen. I don't know about that. I think just being able to have that, again, level playing field is very, very important and uh, should yield some pretty interesting results in, in the sense of how many people will continue to play. Like, I, it would be interesting to see that kind of data on how many people use all of their tickets and how many people that, you know, played during this week, you know, how well they did. That would be really interesting people that played I feel like end. that's the kind of data we won't get. <laughs> right. No, of course. And and I mean, I don't even know that it's like on Pokemon's end, like if they even have a tracker for that kind of stuff, but it'd just be interesting to see. Oh, I would love to see that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Cause then, I mean, you, you think about it too. Players cup two is, you know, there, there's a thought that there will be more in the future. It's, I mean, it's implied. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not seeing kind of a, a slowdown in Corona that we maybe could hope for and so you know for the indefinite future the game will likely be online so um you know this will be a good litmus test for this online tournament format and being able to yeah try to track how it goes from this tournament will be huge to inform you know potential future tournaments agreed agreed i'm excited to see it unfold that's for sure and you can expect us to give us the lowdown as far as how we're doing as well as uh tips and tricks for you all as the players cup 2 progresses moving on though we have our card of the week presented by jw this week so jw you got me all hyped up what you got cooked up for us did i get you hyped up for it no but i got hyped because you had mentioned that you had already picked it up yes yes well i uh i'm a huge fan of this uh this card not necessarily this pokemon to oh i'm like, lucky <laughs> i know no, no no i i mean i like the pokemon it's not 
it's not the the best Pokemon ever. Okay, anyway, but I love this card for a lot of different reasons. Um, but my card of the week for this week is a Prime. Okay. It is the. I, I mean, I, I don't even know if it's arguable. It's the like best Prime in terms of consistency okay. and power. Well, I know what it is now. <laughs> it's an electric type. <laughs> yeah. It got one eyeball. That is Magnezone Prime. I love Magnezone Prime with its Poke Power Magnetic Draw. Draw until you have six cards in your hand. So this was the era, uh, you know, when when HeartGold Soul Silver came out. This was right after we had a format that was um, pretty. It had Claydol pretty entrenched in the format and deck construction. Yeah. And so you go from Claydol, which is a, a stronger power, right? You put two on the bottom of your deck and draw up to six. Um, but Magnetic Draw kind of filled that void that we had when, by losing Claydol. Um, being able to draw until you had six in your hand was just awesome because you were able to, you know, I mean, that's that's just a great ability. <laughs> so, uh, and then it also had a Blacephalon GX type attack for those of you that uh, that weren't around back in the HeartGold SoulSilver era. Magdazone also had a Lost Burn attack. Put as many cards attached to your Pokemon as you like into the Lost Zone, and it does 50 times the number of energy in the Lost Zone. So, I mean, you look at, like, like let's just compare Blacephalon and Magnezone. Like, uh, Blacephalon came out, what, six years later or something like that, and still had that same damage potential that <laughs> Magnezone did back in the early 2010s. And that's just crazy to me to think that you know, the attack is essentially exactly the same. Yeah. You know, the only difference being the the counts, the cost. You know, it costs one lightning and one colorless on Magnuson, two. Magnuson's stack's actually better. What's that? Magnuson's stack's actually slightly better because it can get any energy off any Pokemon. That's true. That's true. It doesn't have to just be fires. And that was a big thing when Magnezone was around because you could play things like Rescue Energy. Yep. Um, you could play Magnezone with with fire cards. Um, there was a Typhlosion that you could get things back with. Uh, there was Embor when Black and White set came out. There were a lot of ways to play Magnezone that wasn't just, you know, it, it wasn't a one-track mind kind of deck. And I actually got my first regionals top eight with Magnezone in my second tournament ever, I played Magnezone just, and again, speaking to the power of the card, I played Magnezone with Vileplume because I thought, <laughs> I thought, you know what? I, it, this was my deck theory at the time. I was like, okay, what's like the best card in the format? Why don't I put it with the second best card in the format <laughs> and like make this, wacky deck and so i did that and i really did believe back then magnezone was the best card in the format you had this insane draw potential uh that was really the main reason for playing it but then it was also a sweeper of sorts you know in the late game you could start hitting those huge numbers uh, if you really needed to take out a threat on the opponent's side of the board yeah and then you had you had vileplume which of course just locks everything down so that was a really cool deck that i had created that i invented that like got me way farther than i should have gone <laughs> but was uh super hilarious and it just always makes me remember Magnezone super fondly yeah Magnezone Prime is one of my favorite cards too and it was before I even started playing it was just such a cool card um, I actually have the Magnabor Worlds deck um, so the Embor Magnezone Prime yep. Reshiram and it played um, Deoxys Trickways of Legends as well <laughs> That um, was so broken. That card was so broken. Dude. Yeah, that that was and the original really, ADP, man. <laughs> nobody really like played it that much, though. Was the thing that card was, was like, so that, good? 
Yeah, that wasn't even really like that popular back then. <laughs> like it, it was popular enough to, you know, win worlds, but it wasn't like it was, you know, it wasn't like ADP is now, you know, just everywhere. It was pretty yeah. um, kind of unusual, I guess, at the well, time. Well, the thing but, is, it's like, yes, it can take the extra prize. Uh, and for the uninformed, uh, Rayquaza and Deoxys Legend, um, or is it Deoxys Rayquaza? I think it's Deoxys and Rayquaza. Um, it will take an extra prize with its ability. It does 150 damage, so it will uh, knock out... Body. It's body. Body. Yeah, body. Um, it will knock out pretty much anything in front of it. Um, it does either 140 or 150. And it so it will take an extra prize card. The, side, the downside, though, is that Magnezone can just KO it back with three energy. <laughs> and then it takes an additional prize card for KOing a legend. So it's a yep. little awkward. Um, but yeah, that's like my favorite deck deck to solitaire whenever i'm like cooking food or something i get out my magnabore deck and just solitaire it because it's so fun you just you draw the cards you lost yeah. burn the stuff yeah. <laughs> you know it's yeah. just great i mean it it really is amazing how versatile that that card was you've played it with embor you played it with typhlosion you could play it with kingdra you could play it with yan mega you could play it with vile plume it was just the perfect card because it had and it's a synergy that we haven't seen in a long time and and fire flame fire brings it up in the chat uh just this great draw ability with a very very reasonable and powerful attack that's you know it it's good i don't necessarily think that it's overpowered you know it does a lot of damage you have to get rid of the energy forever so i think there is some balance to that um but you yeah, very rarely a, would you get all six with just magnetism right right just an an amazing card i i love it so much yeah I mean, for the more modern player, this is still like a little bit dated of an example, relatively speaking. But imagine if Octillery had Knuckle Impact, you know? <laughs> like, that's what, <laughs> that's what we're working with here. Yeah, right. Or it'd be like if Zacian's ability didn't end your turn. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, that's yeah, kind honestly. Of what I think of too, honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so fun. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing, DW. I love the Heart Gold Soul Silver Era cards. Super fun. Yeah, they're awesome. They're aw despite being some of the uglier, like secret rares or, or rares, I guess, with the primes, kind of that close-up <laughs> view. I think it brought a lot of interesting stuff to the table. They definitely did. So let's jump into our last topic for the day before questions, and that is the upcoming set release on this Friday champion's path so for the uninformed champions champion's path is the quote-unquote bonus set for the year um every year pokemon will do like an additional set around this time um we've had hidden fates we had shining legends um and champion's path is the newest iteration of that we got a couple new cards some reprints of old cards the shiny charizards and v and uh, rainbow charizard v max for the collectors out there and overall, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a fun little romp in the Pokemon trading card game world. JW, is there anything you're especially excited for in Champion's Path? Um, I I think the Charizards both look beautiful. I just want to say that. Like, I, the older I get, the more I understand collecting. I used to not <laughs> be that into collecting. And then recently, I've just, there have just been cards. I showed you earlier today, I bought the Lenticular Deoxys from a few episodes ago. I was like, it just, it was a card that, you know, it came on sale and I was like, it just seems, you know, really yeah. nice. And I don't often do that kind of stuff um, in terms of buying cards, but I understand now why people do it because the the shiny Charizard just looks amazing in the set. <laughs> and like the Rainbow Rare VMAX, like looks so good. 
And then there's another card coming out soon, the Pikachu VMAX. Looks I amazing love, as I well. I love that. Yeah, I'm getting those. Yeah, and so I'm like really <laughs> digging the art that they're coming out with here uh, recently, and and I can understand that, you know, people just want to get their hands on those Charizards. They look awesome. I will say, for all the times I've ragged on VMAXs, they have really nice art as on the whole. Like all the VMAXs look super cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I can't hate them for that. Are there? Any of the new cards that you think might have a splash? The Gardevoir, the Dreadnaw. Yeah, we were, we were talking a little bit. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about those. Um, I do like the Dreadnaw. I think it probably goes into an ADP style deck, just replacing Zacian. Um It has a little bit more health, which would be the reason you would want to play it over a Zacian. You know, in the mirror match, a Zacian can just get you know one shot in return by an opposing Zacian. So um, potentially Dreadnought gives you a little bit more stability for like a mirror match. Um, Gardevoir seems fine, like seems good. I'm interested for sure. Um, but really, I mean, you're you're a collector, I think, if you're buying this set in bulk for sure. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I don't think there's any card that really sticks out in this set. Honestly, the card that sticks out the most to me is that, like, mysterious can or whatever. Uh, the, the, like, oh, the one that heals off psychics? <laughs> yeah, the fact it has a secret error is just so funny to me that I kind of just want one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, like, one of the funniest it's like, cards. It's, like, uh, what? It's there's some specific name. What's it called? It's not like stinky tin can, but it's like something just like really disgusting. Yeah, it's got like an awful name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's so funny. I think the art on it is very funny. I think the fact that it has a secret rare is extra funny. So I kind of just want one of those. Yeah, uh, it's like suspicious can maybe suspicious. I don't know. Are you looking it up? I, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> so I had Pokey Beach up earlier. I should have should have kept it open. That's okay. Oh. I'm looking. I'm looking. Yes. Oh, yeah. strange canned food. <laughs> strange canned food. That's so good. Yeah. That's better than anything I would have ever thought of. That's so good. <laughs> that is so good. So yeah. that's definitely my favorite card in the set. <laughs> and uh-huh. honestly, that one's like close-ish to being playable. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> More than the, some of the others. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are a few other interesting things. You know, obviously, all the Vs are going to be somewhat vi- viable in the sense that they just have enough health to like potentially survive enough turns to <laughs> win a game. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's an interesting little set that uh, that certainly won't make that much of a splash competitively. I think there's a lot of things that you don't need um, in terms of competitive play. But I think one thing that we do need to talk about that's a little item that is in the set is the Rotom phone. Look at the top five cards uh, and choose one card you find there and then put it on top of your deck. So that's a little consistency boost card that uh, could be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool if you play like the Oranguru in your deck. Um, it's kind of a Macargo type combo <laughs> <Yeah>. where you, <laughs> you draw like the top, the card that you choose. Um, right. It's... It works best in cards that are probably like jam packed with consistency, right. and uh, you know you play a Rotom phone, you use a Ranguru to draw. Hopefully, one of your high count items or or cards that's really easy to find. Um, yeah, I, I do kind of like the card. I don't know if it'll see an extreme amount of play, but I think it has potential. 
I mean, it, yeah, it kind of remind, reminds me of Trainer's Mail and something that we've been missing in this format specifically is that item-based consistency. We lost Acrobike. Yeah, um, I was just about to say you know, We Acrobike. lost a few other cards. And so um, that, to me, is a way to introduce a little bit more item-based draw. Another card that I've seen some players really um, talk about, especially at the beginning of this format, um, when players were discussing Decidueye was that, well, maybe, you know, there would be a card in the future that is a little bit better in Altaria, having that same kind of ability that Decidueye has where it can't be um, damaged by Pokemon V or Pokemon GX. And the difference there is that it's a stage one as opposed to Decidueye being a stage two. And so maybe there's a little bit more viability with the wall-esque strategy. You look at certain decks like um, hit and run decks like a Greedent, for example. Um, <laughs> you know, not that Greedent saw any play in this format, but you also have to think like the difficulty in setting up a Decidueye was certainly one of the hindrances to a deck like Greedent being successful. And so you look to add just a few more walls like that. Uh, it's something that I welcome. I think that's a good thing for the game. We've seen Decidueye do pretty well all things considered in this current format and so i welcome you know an easier decidui like a, a way to get out <laughs> something that has that same ability that's been super strong in this format and just being able to get it out a little bit more consistently yeah just wait for the hoopa man just wait for the hoopa yeah the 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 basic with the same <laughs> yeah ability right <laughs> <laughs> that'll come towards the end of the block though right yeah right right <laughs> Yeah, I I think Altaria is cool. Um, definitely easier to splash into decks than Decidueye. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that goes without saying, right? Yeah, um, no doubt. I, I think it still has the problem where there are certain decks that wall strategies are still ill-equipped to beat. Um, namely, thinking of stuff like Scourge or ADP with one prizers. Sure. But still cool. I, I want to see more alternative strategies rise up over the course of this metagame. And I think as cards are injected into it um, through the sets that are coming out, including Champion's Path, that'll become more and more of a thing. Yep. Any other Champion's Path cards catch your eye? Uh, nothing that I particularly like. Those were the cards that I was either really excited about myself or have heard about that I think have some amount of viability. Cool. So let's just jump right in then to viewer questions so if you do have a question and you're watching live on twitch feel free to drop it in the chat we'll answer a couple more before we hop off for today as always we appreciate your viewership and listenership if you're listening on itunes feel free to leave a review it helps us out a lot and we'll get right into the questions now um so mirror dove asking about the altarian champions path yep there is an altaria it, like JW said, it has a very similar ability to Decidueye's, only different in name, where it is safe from Pokemon V and GX. So, yeah. Cower and Fear ADP. <laughs> What's that? Cower and Fear ADP or, decks yeah, that yeah, don't yeah, play yeah, the exactly. Duraludon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if they do play the Duraludon, though, that's unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, Champion's Path coming out in a couple days and then we also have vivid voltage coming out here in what the december Month or november half. set so yeah uh, a few new sets i i haven't really seen too much from vivid voltage that i am 
geeked about that should you know flip the format on its head by any means um but still you know new cards more cards always nice always nice to have yeah apparently they're doing a 25th anniversary set too um in in february on pokemon day um so i'm curious what that'll be yeah exactly yeah i uh i can't i can't wait i really um enjoyed you know when they had evolutions come out that was the what 20th anniversary um yeah evolutions and generations and yeah, all they that both came out yeah and then you know they had some more products like the during the 15th anniversary they had like a pikachu product or was that also 20th anniversary do you remember the silver pikachu the silver pikachu was 15th yeah that was 15th okay and then you know they've just had different little special things that are absolutely amazing i have loved all the kind of promotional items that they've done for the anniversary. So really excited to see what they have in store for us here with the 25th. I just hope there's a cool Pikachu card. (laughs) (laughs) That Pikachu V looks insane, bro. I love Pikachu V max, man. He's huge. But the V looks great also. I know they both look good, but the V max is just so big. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, We also have a question here from Ryan. Um, how do you feel about the Players' Cup changes? Are you planning to participate? I think the changes, if I had to grade them on like a five out of uh, a five-star scale, I would say five. I mean, it was exactly what we needed in terms of, you know, everyone being equal and everyone playing at the same level. The tournament keys, great idea, perfect execution, I think, being able to give every single person 50, and that's their, you know, allotted amount. I think it's going to work out really well. In terms of are we planning to participate? We definitely are. I cannot wait to yeah, you know, sure. potentially stream some of the Players' Cup. I probably won't do all of it. Like I'll probably do most of my Players' Cup um, participation just on my own off stream. But yeah, I'm stoked to participate. And I can't wait to uh, can't wait to compete. Sounds like you're afraid of stream snipers, man. Yeah, dude, I'm so afraid of stream snipers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it too. But nobody's allowed to play Mad Party counters on ladder. Or on the there tournaments while I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, you heard it here. Nobody can play against Riley at least. You can't play ADP. <laughs> Let's see, Mirror Dove with the rise of non VGX decks recently, like Mad Party and Aeropod. Do you think these decks actually have a chance in the meta, or are they currently just tier two as is? Um, they're pretty much capped at tier two or lower because ADP just beats them so consistently. Um, yeah, I mean, even and the thing is, like the decks like that always will sacrifice some amount of consistency to the two prize and onwards <laughs> decks so stuff like eternatus even though in theory it should have rough matchups against these one prize decks that can one to two hit ko eternatuses it doesn't always end up that way because they are just so consistent and will do the same thing they want every single game or close to every single game well put well great riley i think that will conclude our episode for this week it's been another good one good app <laughs> good app man yeah well thank you so much to everyone who watched again uh thank you to azul for the raid as we got towards the end of this stream here and stick around if you're watching live and you'll get to see jw streams of pope thank you again for watching guys we'll talk to you soon